Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Today in Sports Betting, a hoop ball presentation. I am your guest host today, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, and you may know me from our fantasy show, but I also am a handicapper, arguably the longest tenured one here on our hoop ball staff. And so I'm very excited with this giant NBA card that the hoop ball gaming team called me up and said, Dan, get in there. You're needed today. Give me your rundown on 11 basketball games. And I said, really? And they said, absolutely. And I said, sweet. And here I am. You can follow Hoopball Gaming on Twitter at that exact handle, Hoopball Gaming. Hoopball Gaming, all one word, on Twitter. Go follow them immediately if you aren't already so you can get all the good stuff. Free plays included from our team of nine awesome handicappers on the Hoopball staff. We're going to dive right into the action today. This will be a relatively short podcast, kind of a lightning round zip through the 11-game NBA card. Thoughts on every game, and if we've got any leans, we'll toss those in there as well. The Lakers are in Orlando and a 10-point road favorite, which frankly is just too big a number. Lakers just finished getting beat up twice by the Dallas Mavericks. I know the Magic are in full tank mode at this point, which makes it overall kind of a difficult game to bet on no matter which way you're looking at it. But Anthony Davis is not yet himself, and he'll get there. But when he does, that's the point at which you maybe consider going back over to the Lakers' side. But I just, I can't in good conscience take the Lakers laying this many points, even against a terrible team. And I'll, I'll tell you, I think, this is a, I think this is a coin flip. It's a giant number, but there's a very real chance the Magic just don't, I mean, they're, they're on a pretty vicious losing spell these days. Bodies are... They're there, but no one that can really hang. And so on the Lakers' side, even without LeBron, they're still far better than Orlando. But I just I can't touch this one. I would sooner look at the under with the assumption the Lakers continue to play good defense. Offensively, they've been a little bit screwball of late, and they're not going to run into a team like the Mavericks that can actually score against a decent defense. The Magic can't. So the under is the way I would look at this one. It's a very low number already at 208 and a half. But I, honestly, I'd be a little bit surprised if this game got up and over 204. Spurs at the Wizards. Spurs are minus four on the road. And it's a little bit weird to see the number that high. The Wizards are on a back-to-back, so it's about two points higher than it would have been otherwise. Bradley Beal uh, was supposedly questionable after kind of tweaking a calf in yesterday's game, but then he wasn't on the Wizards injury report. So presumably he's in question mark I don't know I really don't know I guess there's a possibility that he gets ruled out later on Russell Westbrook is questionable he apparently hurt his ankle in yesterday's ball game and so maybe that's 
the reason that this number is is tilted so far in the Spurs' favor. Both of these teams have actually been playing relatively well of late, so I don't think I want anything to do with the side, especially with the weird injury stuff hanging over everything else. And then you look at the total of 228, and you're talking about two teams that do like to move. Spurs like to push the pace a little bit, although lately it's been not quite so severe. They've been kind of grinding it a lot a little bit more. And on the Wizards' side, and I don't know if folks have taken note of this, they've actually started to play a little bit of defense. The scores of their games are still obscenely high, but they've held their opponents now. Go back and look at some of the games the Wizards were losing. Look at some of the games they were losing, where they were giving up 120. And lately, on their eight-game win streak, they've only given up 120 points one time. They beat Utah 125-121. The rest of their eight-game win streak, 111, 115, 100, 107, 114, 109, 110. That's been the scores of the opposition team. Do we think the Wizards are going to get to that mark? Do we think they're going to get to 118 if they're going to hold this Spurs to 110, or would we think this thing slows down a little bit? This is another one where I look a little bit at the under on the total more so than I do the side. Hawks and Pistons is the third game on the dock. I told you we're going to move through this thing. We're about two, two to three minutes per game. Hawks at Pistons. Atlanta four-and-a-half-point road favorites. Detroit is actually a double in-season revenge game, and for the Hawks, this is a pretty weird spot for them. They just came off kind of, yeah, I think we can safely call it an improbable win yesterday over the Milwaukee Bucks. They just beat Miami also without Trey Young after losing that first game uh, or the game when Trey actually went down. That was the overtime loss to New York. Atlanta's not the same team they were earlier in the year. And even right after the coaching change, they were sort of winning games ugly. Well, they've continued to play good defense, but their offense got a lot better. And so it's been able to withstand the loss of Trey Young. However, they're coming off a stretch where they went Knicks, Heat, Bucks, and the two games after tonight are Philadelphia twice later on this week, Wednesday uh, and Friday, I believe, and then their schedule lightens back up a tiny bit. So does this, and everybody's in kind of stretch run mode right now, so I don't know that we can necessarily classify anything as a look-ahead game, but certainly as letdown spots go, this is one of them. The Pistons on the road, Hawks are on the road at the Pistons against a team that, at this point, sort of, I mean, they're just floating through. Detroit is not actively trying to collect victories at this point in the year, although presumably the veterans will actually be playing in this game. But they've been competitive when they've trotted their veterans out there. They beat the Cavaliers. They they lost to the Mavericks only by 10. That was pretty good. And then they rested everybody. They lost to Spurs by 15. Lost to the Pacers by 6 with most of their veterans in there. Didn't shoot the ball very well, but they were competitive. So I would expect the Pistons to be relatively competitive. I kind of wish Trey was in so that the number would be higher. You'd be looking at, you know, 7.5 probably instead of 4.5 or maybe even more than that. And at that point, I'd be all over Detroit. Uh, lower number here, anything can happen. Hawks are probably going to end up winning the ball game. They'll have some sort of comeback. Uh, so I, I don't trust the Pistons as you know money line type of thing. But I do think they're competitive. I think they hang. And so if anything, I would lean to the Detroit side. That's the direction I'm looking in that third game that we've talked about. Thunder at the Sixers. Uh, sounds like Ben Simmons now has been upgraded to questionable. He's missed about a week and a half with an illness. We don't know much about that. It's not COVID, so... At some point, he'll be okay. 
Uh, Tobias Harris sounds like he's resting. We don't have a status update on Joel Embiid yet. I, here's the thing. I could go into a whole in-depth analysis of what you're doing with this ball game, but at the end of the day, you're not betting on a game where you don't know who's playing on the Philly side. You're just not. It's bad. It's bad bet. The only thing you might do in such a scenario is to play for the injury or not, meaning, say you think Joel Embiid is going to be in, well, you'd take the 76ers at 12 and a half and hope that he gets ruled in or someone else gets ruled in or Simmons gets ruled in and the number jumps up to 14, 15, something like that. Because it could get that high. The Thunder are really bad. They're resting Lou Dort. They'll have the rest of their guys, but they're just, they're losing. They're losing as a religion at this point because they got all those picks and so they won too many damn games the first half of the year. So they just pulled the plug on anyone that might actually help them collect a victory. That's the only way you're playing this one, is you're trying to set up a middle based on Sixers injury news. That's it. I would not do anything else. You could do it with the total, too. You could take the over, hope guys get ruled in, total bumps up. You take the under, you create a three, four-point sandwich there. I wouldn't do it. I'm not doing it. I wouldn't recommend it. You're gambling with information you don't have. You're guessing based on a questionable tag. That's bad bet. Suns at Knicks. Suns two and a half point road favorites. The total of 215. Phoenix coming in after losing a couple here on their road trip. Kind of stumbling to the end of their roadie. There's two schools of thought on this ballgame. First, uh, Jay Crowder's been ruled out on the Phoenix side. That's kind of the only injury news on this ballgame. There's two schools of thought are, does Phoenix look at this as a bounce back opportunity after getting beat by the Nets yesterday? Or are they just kind of out of gas on this road trip? Everybody's so freaking tired this year because of the condensed schedule because of the weird offseason this isn't really a great spot you know phoenix their schedule wasn't particularly crazy compared to anybody else's but they did have a five and seven that ran them through most of a homestand it was uh, back on from april 7th to april 13th and they were able to kind of hang in there during that stretch by the way this is stuff that you look at you want to be aware of when teams are going to get tired. So again, that that five and seven started on the seventh for Utah. They beat uh, for Phoenix. They beat Utah. Lost in the Clippers. Beat Washington, Houston, and Miami. So they went four and one on that five game and seven night thing. And then you've seen the after effects of that. They beat Sacramento, not by that much. They lost to the Spurs. Barely beat the Bucks, barely beat the hobbled 76ers, lost to the Celtics, lost to the Nets. I personally think the Suns are just tired right now. I do. They had two days off before that game in Brooklyn also, and that, that it's just sort of not enough. Like, guys need actual rest, uh, and they bounce around a lot. They go home for two games, and they're back out on the road for three, home for one, road for one, ro- or road for two. Like, Phoenix's schedule is not about to get easier, so they're going to have to dig deep and kind of will it and I don't know that I trust him to. So I actually lean to the Knicks in this ballgame. I think they win this game outright. I think the Suns are running on fumes. And that's why that line has been coming down. This would have been a much more... This would have been a much juicier number if someone could have pounced on it when the Knicks were a four-point underdog. But that name, that line dropped precipitously as odds makers and betters alike saw what the Suns looked like against Brooklyn. Which is that they just didn't have much in the tank anymore. The key guys all looked fatigued. I think DeAndre Ayton was like the only guy who looked pretty good. And now he'll go up against the Knicks team that's like Brooklyn. They give up some points. Knicks are not allowed to give up some easy buckets. So I don't much care for the total. I do lean to New York on the side. 
Raptors, 11.5-point favorites at home against the Cavaliers. We found out that Larry Nance Jr. broke a thumb, so he's back out with another hand injury. That's two in a year for that dude. Cavs were effectively eliminated from playoff contention with their loss over the weekend. Colin Sexton still out. I believe his deal is a concussion right now, so that total also falling like a boulder as things move in the not-going-to-score Raptors-going-to-thump-em direction. Toronto appears to be playing their horses in this part, and, and Toronto's starting a five-game and seven-night thing, too. If I'm the Raptors, and maybe this is what they're doing, they're playing their guys against the Cavs to sort of lock in the win, and then they might rest some dudes tomorrow against Brooklyn when they figure maybe they were going to get beat anyway. Then they go to Denver, Utah, and the Lakers, and the Clippers on a four-game road trip. That's, that's a rough one. So it's also possible they just play their guys on this back-to-back, see if they can win their home games, and then who knows what happens out on the road. Gary Trent's been ruled out with a contusion to his leg, so we'll see if that is uh, a a bounce-back thing. And, you know, what it comes down to here is in a ballgame like this one where guys are just getting ruled out, I would almost look at the Cavs to play a little above themselves, missing some pieces, but mostly I'd leave it alone. It's a pass. Bulls. This is a double revenge game for Chicago as well. Um, and it's also a... No, excuse me. This is, this is double revenge for Chicago? Yeah, it's double revenge for Chicago. And it's a, it's a rematch. These two teams played two days ago. So this one has a whole lot of stuff rolled up in it. Heater is six-point favorite at home. Total is at 206. Side actually moved up ever so slightly. Uh, I, I would look at the under in this ballgame. In fact, I have a pretty strong lean to the under, actually. That that last ballgame paced out to 204 and ever so slightly went over that mark. And the reason I bring this up as relevant is because, you know, you're looking at it, you're like, 204, the total's 206. That's not a whole lot of breathing room. Well, uh, that last one ended at 207. So a lot of people looked at it and thought, oh, this is paced to go over. So money is actually coming in on that side, and you might end up able to get 206.5 or even 207 as this day goes on. I think these two teams, because they just saw one another, and because this actually is a pretty critical ball game on both sides, I don't think you're going to see the pace start to slip away from either side. Both actually want to play a relatively slow ball game. I think I would argue the Heat maybe want to get out a little bit more just because they have better shooters, and the Bulls want to make it uh, a slog where maybe they can win just kind of if Vooch gets hot or something good happens. Also of note, in their last ball game two days ago, uh, that ball game was on pace to go under 200. And then the fourth quarter, the teams combined to score like 64 points, something stupid. Like the Bulls went on this big run to try to make it a close ball game. They scored a whole bunch. They sped up the pace because it was a blowout. So Chicago was forced to try to shoot, 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 shoot. The Heat countered with enough buckets going the other way, even if they were not playing quite as fast, but it changed the pace of the ballgame because the ballgame got away a little bit. So if you think this one's going to be a bit more competitive, and I do, I would look at the under. The reason I'm not looking at the Bulls, despite thinking that it'll be a more competitive ballgame, is that I do still think, ultimately, Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter is just going to clamp. So the Bulls might hang in there for three and a half quarters. I just don't see them closing it out. They don't have the horses. So I like the under in that ballgame more than I like the side. Jazz, 10-point road favorites in Minnesota against a team somehow they've actually lost to twice 
this year. Wolves have proven to be a very difficult matchup for Utah. And overall, look, the Jazz missing Donovan Mitchell, that's a big deal. But it, it goes all the way back to the All-Star break, really. They just they haven't been the same team since that mondo run they went on. And this is the way it happens with all sports, all professional sports at least, where guys go so hard for so long to rack up win after win after win after win. It starts to take an emotional toll on a team to win that many ball games. It's actually good to lose one every once in a while just to break up the intense mental focus. I like to think of, and I don't know if you guys are big into to baseball, I like to think of Clayton Kershaw, actually, of the Dodgers, as kind of an interesting example of this phenomenon. Because it's hard to visualize on a team standpoint, but maybe it's easier to visualize from an individual standpoint. I've always felt, and I, I think the numbers would bear this out, I've always felt that Clayton Kershaw's numbers, if you look at the postseason in particular, look terrible but if you look at it from an inning-by-inning inning standpoint, it's this dramatic fall-off. And it's because he's just so intense on every pitch that by pitch like 75, which isn't all that high, he's starting to run out of mental fuel to make the good pitch. And it's the same thing with the Jazz, with teams that go on big win streaks. They're so good and so lasered in for so long that then you start to see the other side. If you want to think about it more from a mathematical standpoint, no one in the NBA goes at 100% for the entire season. But when you're on a long winning streak, you're going at 100% because you so desperately don't want to be the day, the guy, whatever, that causes the win streak to end that you just push. You push a little harder and a little harder, and then all of a sudden, it ends and for Utah, their monster win streak, I mean, you go all the way back to January when the, the big win streak ended, but they got sort of right back on it. But at some point in there, and it was around the All-Star break, when everybody had like a few days to decompress, they lost it. They lost that focus. They lost what had made them, and it was even going into the All-Star break, really. It was like a few games in front of it. They just sort of lost what made them special, which was the hyper-focus on the defensive side, combined with a very proficient three-point shooting offense. Yeah, they're still winning ball games, Sure, but not at the same clip as before. Not close. And it's the defense. That's what's changed. You know, the losses, if you look at some of the recent losses for Utah, because they did have another win streak that rolled up in there, uh, mostly against Memphis <laughs> in the end of April, or the end of March, I should say. Here in April, they've lost a handful of games. They gave up 111 to Dallas, 117 to Phoenix, 125 to Washington, 127 to the Lakers, and then they had this weirdo clunk fest against Minnesota two days ago where they uh, only scored 96 points. All of this to say, uh, Jazz are going to win this ball game. I, I would probably bet a house on the money line of this, but I don't think I can bet the 10-point spread because they're just not the same team they were before. The money line in this game is atrocious. I would never in a thousand years suggest that anyone actually make a money line bet on this game. You'd be betting uh, minus 500. So it's one to five odds. But if you're feeling like a complete, well, idiot, put five units on the Jazz to win one unit. I, I don't think... I, that, that basically, five to win one, is basically like saying there's... You know, for every uh, one-time 
the Jazz lose, they'll win it five times. So six tries, they win five out of six tries. So I think there's a better than five and six chance that they win this ballgame, which actually does make that particular bet of value. But no way, no chance in hell I'm advising anybody to put a five or a one to five wager out on the market right now. Everything in betting is a value play, though, so you got to you gotta at least think about it. Uh, Clippers, one-and-a-half-point road favorites at the Pelicans. That's a that's strange, man. Is somebody else out for this team that we don't know about yet? I hadn't seen any additional stuff on the Clippers. I figure Kawhi is still out, and it's fine. It doesn't change anything for me. They've been really good, and the Pels have been really bad. So something about this one isn't adding up, and so I'm going to leave it alone. Because that line looks way too good to be true. I would assume that every single person on Earth would take the Clippers at basically a pick with the Pelicans these days. So something weird is going on. Like, they're down in Nolens and Paul George had a bad... Uh, was it Crawfish? Or Beignet? <laughs> I don't know. Paul George had a bad something. That's my guess. I got nothing. I got nothing, folks. I don't know. I can't explain this one being a one and a half point spread coming down from three and a half. I could explain the three and a half. You know, that puts them about a six point neutral court favorite. That's still probably a little bit low, but it's acceptably low. Uh, this line here where uh, I don't believe either of these teams played yesterday. Am I forgetting something? No, Clippers didn't play yesterday. Pels didn't play yesterday. Neither one of them. Clippers have been off for two days. I mean, they're rested on top of everything else. This is super weird. Very weird line. I'm not touching it, but I would have to lean to the Clippers side because the Pels have just been awful. Do people not realize the Pels have been terrible? Is that why this is like this? I guess there's a Clippers lean. It's fishy as hell. That one stinks of salmon and red snapper. Grizzlies Nuggets. Uh, Grizzlies in altitude right now. This is actually kind of an interesting number, too. Nuggets four-and-a-half-point home favorites. Grizzlies are playing great ball at the moment. Grizzlies are are playing some really good basketball. However, it's also worth pointing out that the Grizzlies caught the Blazers kind of at the, at the right time, meaning, like, Memphis is playing relatively well, and they actually just lost in Denver a week ago. They played last Monday in Denver, then they just went west, did a tour up the... Uh, Highway 1, and then came back to Denver. And then they go home to play Portland again. So it's a little bit weird. The thing I would note is looking back at that game on the 19th of April, again, the one that was just one week ago, Memphis and Denver, they covered, first of all, so from a fantasy standpoint, that's delightful. That ball game went to double overtime. Don't forget. JJJ is also back now for the Grizzlies. I... This is also a double revenge game for Memphis. They've lost both of their two previous matchups with the Nuggets this year. All of that stuff points to the Grizzlies playing better, but as I look at that game from a week ago, the Grizzlies actually played a really good basketball game. Nuggets had 24 turnovers. Grizzlies only had 14. Like, they had way more opportunity there. Nuggets out-rebounded the Grizzlies 58-47. to and that's been an issue because Jonas Valanciunas was not in that ballgame. He'll be back for this one, so that should tip the rebounding back a little bit. Nuggets always shoot around 50%. Nikola Jokic was incredible. He'll have his hands a little bit more full in this ballgame. I just, like the, the turnover thing in particular, I got to think that that levels off a little bit. This was also a game where the Grizzlies led 
That's another, I think, actually really important point for this one. The Grizzlies led that double overtime game with Denver for most of the ball game. They were up eight at the end of the first first quarter, four at halftime, eight again at the end of the third. Nuggets outscored them 29-21 in the fourth quarter to come back and then steal the game in, in double overtime. That, to me, that's the kind of game where the Grizzlies may have sort of missed their shot. And they're in altitude on a back-to-back. Now, yesterday's game was a day game, so it's not quite the same beat that you'd take if you were coming in from Portland after an evening game, you're losing an hour, two-hour flight, all that two-and-a-half-hour, I guess, from Portland. Like, that's a, that's a serious haul. This one, they did have time to recover a little bit. But to me, I think this is kind of a case of a, of a public underdog. Grizzlies have looked really good lately, but this game reeks of them not having a whole lot left in the tank. I mean, they went all out against Portland in those two games over the weekend. Those are big to them. Those are so big. Grizzlies also shot 52% from downtown in that last game against the Blazers in the win. They're not going to do that again. They shot 43% against the Nuggets from downtown. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They're a pretty damn good two-point shooting team. Grizzlies also had a really good free-throw shooting game against Portland yesterday. They played good defense yesterday. There's a lot of stuff. I look at this game with Denver, and I think... Like, this smells of a Denver win. Money coming in. Public seems to like the Grizzlies a little bit. I don't know, man. Wouldn't be surprised if a couple guys got ruled out on the Memphis side also. That's the tough scheduling spot. Mavericks in Sacramento, favored by 5.5. Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith are all questionable for the ballgame tonight. Kings without De'Aaron Fox... Played actually relatively well in their loss against Golden State yesterday. Uh, do the Mavericks care about the fact the Kings beat them up a week ago? This is another one where I don't think you can make any bets until you know who's actually playing. Because if KP or Luka gets ruled out, that line would drop like a boulder in the ocean. And then I'd probably look at the Mavericks side. Like, I want the lower number. I'm not laying the Mavericks at 5.5, but I would lay them at 2. I think they win that ball game with a guy resting. I'm not sure they win the ballgame at full strength, or they probably do, but I don't know if they cover at full strength. I like what the Kings did, actually, with De'Aaron Fox out yesterday. They actually saw some other guys try a little bit. It almost looked like they played defense for a couple of quarters. That was something. So, recap here. Um, Probably the biggest leans on the board for me, if I was going to loop all the way back around everything, I like the Bulls and the Heat under... I like the Jazz at a ridiculous money line clip, but we're not going to put that on the board here. Uh, I like the Nuggets. I like some early game unders. Lakers Magic under, Spurs Wizards under. I thought that was worth exploring. I like the Pistons, although I wish that, again, I wish we were getting more in that ballgame. Uh, that Suns-Knicks line, by the way, just jumped back up to three. So someone either got ruled out or ruled in, and probably we leave that one alone since it happened while we were on air, and I'm not watching the news while I'm recording the podcast. So we'll go and we'll do a little more more digging on that one. And then I like the Mavericks if they're missing someone because I want that number to come down a little bit lower. I think they'll be just fine without the missing piece, whatever piece it happens to be. Obviously, Luka moves the line more than Porzingis, but I think if either one of those guys gets ruled out, then that becomes a much more interesting wager. And that is your 11-game speed round here on Today in Sports Betting. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Follow at HoopBallGaming for all of your HoopBallGaming needs. Get the wager pass for $9.99 a month. 33 cents a day for all the best top plays.
from our hoop ball handicappers. I personally am up about nine units on the year. I feel good about that considering I was down one at the All-Star break, so it's been a really good second half. Troy's up 23 in the NBA. Gotta love that stuff. There's just a lot of good things going on if you want to bet the NBA. I don't actually have Aaron Bruski's numbers in front of me, but I know he's 36 and 18 since the All-Star break, so that's pretty freaking good. Anyway, let's have a wing ding, guys. Let's have a wing ding. Go get him. Get some wagers. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S if you got any questions. I am without uh, a nanny today, so as soon as the baby wakes up, I'm gone. But we got the podcast in when it mattered. Best of luck. B-O-L, as they say. Whether you fade or follow, have a good night, everybody. Today in sports betting, back tomorrow with uh, the rest of our contingent. I'm off the hook for that one. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.